Hello, 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 hello. Is it in you? Mm, inappropriate. <laughs> Hello and welcome to It's Not TV. It's a podcast. I'm Nicole, and along with me is David. Hello, hello, Nicole. This is a podcast where we celebrate HBO's prestige programming with subpar commentary. Mm, yes. Each episode, we'll look into a show from HBO's past and tell you if it's worth your watch. David, who are we doing today? We are doing the ladies from Big Little Lies. We're talking about Big Little Lies. A fine group. Fine group of ladies. But what's it about? This is the show <laughs> where women who have perfect lives send their perfect children to the perfect school and revel in keeping their secrets under wraps to keep up the perfect facade. Yes. But eventually... It becomes more than just marital squabbles, their past and messy kitchens that they are keeping hidden. Ooh. So I watched both seasons and had a very visceral reaction to season one. Have you watched the show, David? I watched the pilot and uh, my reaction wasn't as visceral. My reaction was more muted. A muted reaction. Mutilated? Mute. Not there. See, not yet. There was a lot of teasing in this pilot episode. A lot of teasing. No full-blown mutilation. Well, there was liquefied brains. There was not liquefied brains in the pilot. There was. Twasn't. I just rewatched it about, I think I was watching it when we started this podcast. <laughs> Where were the liquefied brains? How did I miss the liquefied brains? <laughs> That's what they, they talk about. The wounds and all of that stuff and the br liquefied brains. I do not recall this and I'm glad I don't. Um, so this was based on a book called Big Little Lies. Yeah. Same name. Same name. It was written by Leanne Moriarty, who is the great, great granddaughter of Moriarty, who pestered Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> um, she has written nine novels, including the New York Times bestsellers, Big Little Lies, and also Nine Perfect Strangers. Both of these were adapted into shows for HBO and Hulu, um, and both were created by David E. Kelly. Um, Nicole, you've read one of her books. Why can't I get Andy Garcia out of my head? That's not who played Moriarty, but I can't get him out of my head. No. Well, Andy Garcia is fucking infectious. He's like a goddamn handsome earworm. He's glorious. Yes, agreed. And he's going after Joey Zaza. Okay, you can't fucking stop him. He thinks we should hit Joey Zaza now, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, that's my what Godfather 3 moment. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, in Godfather 3, he goes after Joey Zaza. And that's when Al Pacino is like, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Well, that was a really good impression. Oh, thank you. I don't say that often. You make voices. <laughs> and this is the first time it's been a good one? Yeah. Um, Nine Perfect Strangers, do you think that has any relation to Perfect Strangers with uh, Balky Bartokamas? from abc family oh. tgif no i don't but for whatever reason i imagined three's company and maybe this was nine's company oh nine's okay <laughs> Ooh, i would watch nine's company that's great <laughs> that's a porn 
that is a porn nuts company. <laughs> Sorry to all of our listeners for that. <laughs> we are uh, we are off topic. Nicole, you read one of her books. Yes, I. So I read Three Little Wishes. Three Little Wishes was written as like her college thesis project. I I did not know that. Um, I actually should modify this for the record. I listened to it. That's reading. Okay, we're taking a stand. <laughs> if you listen to a book read to you, like book on tape or audible, that counts mm -hmm. as fucking reading it. I'm putting my my stake in the ground on this. Okay, so I don't have to reread all of the children's books that were read to me. No, no, they they count. I can add them to my Goodreads list. If you absorb all of the words from a written work. Either through your eyes or your ears. <laughs> it counts. We can be friends, David. We can be yeah. friends. We're, we're not audible snobs here. You don't have to use your peepers. Is, are you telling me a blind person never read a fucking book? <gasps> oh, right? you just took this somewhere that made my heart hurt. No, you're right. That's the mic drop. We should just stop yeah. recording this podcast now. We've done it. We've hit it. Uh, Three Little Wishes. Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, It was kind of like um, you got to the end and you were like, oh, OK, that was the end. I oh. thought it was going to it was fine. She did a great job. It was great. Yeah. Well, well, very interesting. But then like you, I just expected more twisty, turny. Mm. It was just like, OK, this is the reveal. And you're like, OK. Yeah, all right. Did you have that same, without giving away the, the ending, obviously, did you have a similar reaction to Big Little Lies when you watched it? Or was it more impactful, the ending? No, and I didn't read Big Little Lies, so, you know, not apples to apples exactly. But okay. I had a very visceral reaction. Like, watching this show, it put me in a dark place where I didn't even want my husband to touch me. Like, it was mm. so disturbing the way that the men some of the men treat some of the women on this show it's very upsetting i wonder if my wife is secretly binging the show behind my back it would explain a lot <laughs> oh <laughs> so david e kelly he's the one who shepherded this show through he's the creator of the show david e kelly has an extensive career uh just to to hit some of the highlights, L.A. Law, Picket Fences, Chicago Hope, The Practice, Ally McBeal, Boston Public, Boston Legal. The man gets around. I got really excited. I thought I actually saw one of his shows when I saw The Practice, but I saw Private Practice, which is different. It's about penises and vaginas practicing law. No, it's about a gynecologist. <laughs> it really, wait, Private Practice is really about privates? Well, it's about... <laughs> a neonatal specialist, basically like an OBGYN, okay. who goes into private practice. Okay. <laughs> so one of the interesting things about David E. Kelly that I found out when we were researching for this show, uh, so he still to this day writes all of his first drafts with like a pen and a legal pad. He used to be a lawyer. He was on like the, the comedy troops uh, at, his, at his college, and then he started writing scripts. But to this day, he still writes all of his scripts, uh, like with a pen on a legal pad first. And he says he writes it by himself without collaboration. And then like his first draft has to happen like that. And then he brings it like to the wider team hmm. and they end up like rewriting it and stuff like that. But it's just a little interesting that he's still sticking it old school. It's very strange. He like started his career with the medical, full launched his career through law practice based shows. And now we're doing a podcast about him for a girl murder show. Yeah. 
murder. Kelly gets around writing on his legal pad. Keep keep pumping him out, David and Kelly. Nicole's only seen a few, but we're getting into you now. <laughs> the show ran for two seasons. The first book, I guess, was mostly covered in the first season, and the second book kind of covered a novella uh, that was written after the fact. There was 14 total episodes. So the, the first season was directed by Jean-Marc uh, Valley, who's a Canadian filmmaker. Our audience may know him as the person who directed Dallas Buyers Club, which was Matthew McConaughey. That's the one where he lost all the weight, right? It is. Ooh, yeah. Terrifying. He was not all right, all right, all right. Uh, yeah. He was in bad shape. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> He also did Sharp Objects for HBO. Oh, another Nicole. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like BFFs, I think. And he also directed Laura Dern and Reese uh, Witherspoon mm-hmm. in Wild. Yep. Uh, so so he knows the cast well. I reverse watched that. I read. I watched the movie and then read the book. Which do you find better in general? Reading, doing the book first or, the, or the, the movie or series first? So it depends. So like I spent... 10 years with the Harry Potter books before I saw a movie. Okay. I'm not sure if that's exact, but a lot of years. So I was very attached to the text. Mm -hmm. And so when they changed things for the movies, I was very offended. Okay. But then like, this didn't really bother me in the case of Wild at all. No. And when I watched Wheel of Time, new Amazon release, after having read it, I wasn't super upset because I knew... The reason or understood the reason why they made a lot of the changes they made for the story and bringing it to film. I don't know. What Do you have a preference for the way that you like to ingest your entertainment? I tend. Yeah, I tend to like watching the show than the book. And the reason mm. for that is the show always seems like a more streamlined version. So the book does all the work for you. Well, well, yeah. And I think but the books kind of like feels for me like the director's cut, like it's got the book will have more stuff. It'll have more side plots, mm-hmm. more sub characters. So I get more from that. Mm-hmm. Only time that isn't true is if it's spoopy because I don't like being scared by shows. I get anxiety. But if I've read the book first, the show is less scary. Mm. Um, okay. And we're going to talk a lot about that. When we talk about The Outsider wink, wink, uh, in wink. a couple of weeks. Yeah, so get excited for that. Wink. Uh, the second season of this is directed by Andrea Arnold. She is a big independent filmmaker. Uh, her last three films, uh, Red Road, Fish Tank, and American Honey, all won the jury prize at the Cannes Film Festival. So, Isn't it con? Is it Cannes? I don't think I, I, I say it right either way, but... With the Jean-Marc Valley, Andrea Arnold, I, I again, I didn't watch all the episodes, but I kind of thought the directing fucking ruled, at least in the pilot. No, I thought it was beautiful. And the consistency, I think, for the sake of the show, they have a beginning and an end to an episode. But it being a book, this is a larger story that isn't told in an episode. Mm-hmm. So I think that the consistency is really important. But I also didn't know that it's not. Well, it's more common now, but it has not always been that common for shows to be directed by the same director. Yeah, no, you're right. Usually what happens, and and it's different now. I think you're right. Streaming in the last few years has really changed how this is approached. But in general, what you would do with a show is you'd have like a big time director, like a film director, Mm. come in and direct the first episode and kind of set the style. Um, Great examples of this are like Lost with J.J. Abrams. Mm, Yeah. Um, House of Cards with David Fincher, which is one of the first big streaming services for Netflix. So the director usually sets that tone. And then the other directors, more television directors, follow that. This isn't always true in sitcoms, though. This is true for dramas. And HBO is one of those that break that mold. They'll hire a director for the entire season. 
this true detective is one of those that that really made this more mainstream. Mm. But sitcoms are a little different. Sitcoms will often have the same director do most of their episodes, or at least a lot. For example, on Seinfeld, Tom Cherone's did 81 out of like 180 episodes. Mm. Um, How I Met Your Mother, Pamela Fryman directed 196 out of 208 episodes. She took a sick week. Yeah, fucking cranked it out. And she's also directing every episode of How I Met Your Father, which is fantastic. So obviously the directing on the show really impressed me, but the show overall got a lot of awards. It was nominated for 16 primetime Emmys. It won eight, including Outstanding Limited Series and directing for our one-man show, Jean-Marc Vallée. Yeah, and the Outstanding Limited Series caused a bit of a scandal that year Mm. because they had already announced a second season. Uh, And so there was a lot of hubbub about how can you be a limited series and have a second season? Oh, okay. But they only had a second season. Well, it's yeah, still limited. But, it's not canceled. That's not that's part of the way the rules play, though, is you can't have more than one season. And part of the way, for example, it becomes a whole political thing. So when Watchmen came out, <gasps> which we love and we will talk about, Watchmen came out and no one knew if there was going to be a second season or not until HBO starts submitting it for awards where it submitted it for a limited series. And then everyone was like, oh, but Damon said he's noodling. He's not noodling. He's he's wavered and he said that like it, it have to be like a great fucking idea and everyone else has moved no, on. But I it's think recently happening. he said pen to paper. No, our producer's looking that up, but our producer would have known that, I imagine. So that's why there's a bit of a scandal around the show. But the show is really driven by the five main women mm-hmm. of the show. Uh, it's Reese Witherspoon. It's Nicole Kidman. It's Shailene Woodley. It's Laura Dern. And then we also get Meryl Streep and Zoe Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon, Nicole. What are your thoughts on Reese Witherspoon? Well, you may have seen her in Legally Blonde, Sweet Home Alabama, Fear, mm-hmm. Wild, which we talked about earlier. More recently, The Morning Show on Apple, Little Fires Everywhere. I think that was Hulu. And she currently is producing the Little Crawdads Everywhere book adaptation. I wonder if anyone calls Reese Laura Jean. Is that her uh, real name? That's the Wikipedia full full first name for the man. I think a lot of this cast have interesting names. Yeah. Well, you were explaining to me the whole SAG thing that you can't have the same name as another SAGger. And if you do, then you don't get any credit for anything until you register a name that's unique. Yep. Oh, Madonna. What I love is you just explained that in about two sentences, and it probably took me about 20 minutes to get it out of my mouth. So well done. Well, it took me 20 minutes to understand it, well enough to give you a sentence about it. So Reese started acting as a teen and is 45 now and is one of the highest paid actors. She has a clothing line, Draper James, and she's claiming descent from Scottish-born John Witherspoon, who signed the Declaration of Independence. That is not fact-checked, but that is her claim. Oh, her clothing line, Draper James, have you checked out any of the stuff? What's your hot take on it? It's very Southern Belle. Okay. Oh, you know, okay. so I, I think it's really cute for people who can pull shit like that off, but I am not one of those people. Okay. Do you think that you could wear the clothes? I don't think I'd do well in like an antebellum Southern country. I don't. There's only one way to find out. I don't like sweet tea. And so I know I'm already at a disadvantage. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. And I don't, I don't enjoy crawdads. Or, or Did you read the book? No, I just don't enjoy them as a as a, a, a being, as a creature. <laughs> Are they annoying because they're everywhere? 
little ones. I've heard that crawl dads are everywhere. That's the that's the running bit. <laughs> uh, we also have Nicole Kidman. Oh, uh, there's other people on the show. There are other people on the show. Uh, Nicole Kidman's in it. Who also has a real real name? Oh, yeah. What's what's her name? Hukulani, which means heavenly star, because she was born Ooh. in Hawaii. I like that. Even though she was she's an Australian uh, citizen and bo- and was raised there, she was born in Hawaii. Is she still married to Keith Urban? Correct. Oh, jeez. No longer married to Tom Cruise. Yeah. I've heard, though, that if they moved recently, that she might actually be married to Keith Rural. It really depends on their location. Because of, right, the population yeah. and building types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. So Nicole Kidman obviously has received a lot of accolades over the years. Um, what's your favorite Nicole Kidman movie? Um, Nicole Kidman. She's been in Batman Forever, Days of Thunder. No, no. To Die For, Eyes Wide Shut. No. The Hours, Rabbit Hole, Being the Ricardos. No. The Undoing, Nine Perfect Strangers. Do you like Nicole Kidman? Yes. I don't think you do. I'm, but she's got to be in other things. I really enjoyed her in Big Little Lies. That's good. Uh, Did you watch Eyes Wide Shut? No. That's the one where, that's like the, the Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman motion picture release of them doing the the sex right no yeah it's not as raunchy as everyone thinks it's it's pretty straightforward actually that's your favorite no no i enjoyed her most in to die for where she plays like a news reporter who messes with these two kids and and gets them to kill her husband i don't think it's a spoiler alert it's from like 30 years ago happy feet that's what i can talk about her in happy feet (laughs) yes So besides Nicole Kidman and and Reese Witherspoon, we also have Shailene Woodley. Now, I haven't seen a lot of her stuff, but you're a big Me fan of Shailene, either. right? I really like Divergent, and I did enjoy her in it. Okay. She did a good job with uh, bringing that book to life for me. But she was in The Secret Life of an American Teenager, and I've never even heard of that, but you said it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it went for, uh, I think she was in like 100 episodes or something. After you do 100 episodes of something, we got to like, hands off to you. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, she's definitely a main component of it, but I've never heard of the show. And you said that's a big deal. That show is a big deal. Because it had 100 episodes. That's all I got oh, for you. I see. Okay. That's, I'm just, it's been around a while. Yeah. Uh, she was a big activist for Bernie's. Oh. And the Dakota Pipeline, which I believe she was arrested during that protest. Oh, a little spicy. She even um, recorded it and put it on the interweb so that people could see her unfairly being arrested for nothing. Oh. For doing nothing illegal, I should say, not doing nothing. Ah, take it down, Shailene. But I think we're both going to lose our minds here when we talk about her girl, Laura. Laura fucking Dern. Miss Dern, if you're nasty. Oh, yeah. Let me... Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I could talk about Laura Dern all day. Can we sip on Laura Dern? I think this is like fire hydrant status. Yes. Like we could go on. This could be an episode. Let's just bring it. I'll bring it down to just one example. In Jurassic Park, like Laura Dern, I think for me, I'm watching like Saved by the Bell. I'm watching shit like that. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern in Jurassic Park was a woman. Like she was an authority Oh, I was she like, yes, David, she played yes, a woman. No. For me, though, like, <laughs> as a child, like, so often when you watch movies, especially as a kid, it's like there's the damsel in distress. Yeah. And a lot of the movies I was watching, 
you know, even Star Wars, like Princess Leia has to be rescued. I'm watching Indiana Jones. All the women have to be rescued. I'm watching all these movies. And then you see Jurassic Park, which was my first exposure to Laura Dern. And not only does she hold her own, she's arguably much more successful than the men. Arm deep in doo-doo. Arm deep in doo-doo. She's fighting raptors in the power area. She is just fucking balls to the wall the entire movie. She's a compelling character. Mm -hmm. She has a great story. She's got a couple of great speeches where she gives some shit to John Hammond about the dangerousness of the park. I think for me, it's one of the first times I've seen a woman in a role where her gender didn't matter. And it was just she was a scientist and she was fucking smart. And she probably got more done than Alan Grant, who was the actual protagonist of the movie. Yeah, but his heartwarming scenes with the children. Come on. Ah, fuck those kids. Feed in the dinosaurs. Anyway, I didn't know, but they're doing a new Jurassic Park project where most of the actors, if not all, are coming back. I didn't know this. The final Jurassic World movie will bring back Jeff Goldblum, Sam Neill, and Laura Dern. Must go faster. She was also recently in Little Women, which I still haven't seen. and I'm dying to see it. How little do they get? Is it like Ant-Man? They're young women who are learning the hard way of life. Anyway, Star Wars, which her neckwear makes her neck look incredibly long. She looks alien um, in the movie. She yeah. does look alien not. in the movie. Yeah. She's not. She's purple hair. That was just a choice. So we're going to we're going to take a, a side a side uh, topic <laughs> here just for a second. The entire plot of that film one is them looking for gas but two is the fact that she doesn't tell poe dameron the lovely oscar isaac that she has a plan she's just a total dick to him mm. so he forms a mutiny and then at the end of the movie she's like oh yeah here is my plan and he's like oh that's a great fucking plan but it's like yeah why did she just share that she wouldn't have had to sacrifice herself although it was a cool fucking maneuver and they wouldn't have had to sacrifice a whole bunch of ships and have a fucking mutiny if she just told the lead guy the lead pilot, like, yo, here's my plan. Instead, she was a bitch to him. And uh, it's not her fault. It's the writer's fault. Uh, go fuck well, yourself, Ryan Johnson. Or it's her neckwear's fault. She couldn't open her mouth to oh, say the plan. Yes, it was too restrictive. I want to see you wear that necklace. Oh, nobody does. I think that's, you're mistaken. Nobody wants to see me wear that. <laughs> you're mistaken. Uh, I will not be, for, for listeners, I will not be cosplaying as, as Captain Holdo. No, in, in this show, Laura's character is vivacious and large and over the top and uh, and but yet is balanced properly in her scenes. I feel so angry with her and so compelled by her fighting for her daughter, fighting for her career, fighting with her husband. It's it's fantastic. She's fantastic on the show. That scene where she's with her husband out on the balcony and she has a glass of wine. He's a fine actor, whoever that dude is. But she runs fucking circles around him and everyone else who has ever thought of acting. She's just mm. sipping her wine, bitching about the girls at school. And I'm on the edge of my fucking seat. I'm like, yes, tell me more about how they were mean to your son at recess. I'm f I'll murder them all. They choked her daughter. Someone did. Uh, they scratched her daughter. It's, it's too much. But I was fucking compelled the whole time. In one, he had her he had her all comforted. And then in one stupid comment. Oh, yeah. He ruined everything. He's like, you women, you want to be the envy of all other women. And then you just can't handle it. 
when you get a little too much. And she turns around without saying anything. Ugh, Laura Dern. And she just gave him the biggest fucking middle finger. That is one big pile of shit. Walked away. She's fantastic. I dig in Triceratops poop. <laughs> Motherfucker. You know who else shows up in this show in season two? Little known actress, Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. I think this was one of her like first or second things, right? Yeah, I didn't get I, <laughs> I didn't get to see her, but you watched you watched her in the second in the second season, right? Yes, I absolutely watched her in the most high prescription glasses that I think they could find. I oh, don't know really? if that's her actual prescription. But she's got a she's got a look. It was very um what's that? Not Mr. Bean. Magoo. It's very Mr. Magoo. Oh. What's your what's your favorite Meryl Streep? All right. Well, I'm not saying this is her best work. And I'm not saying it's bad work. I'm just saying I'm not telling you from her catalog of incredible performances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a Sophie's Choice. I get it. Wink, wink. I loved her in The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Loved her. I use that meme all the time. That's all. <laughs> what is your favorite Meryl Streep? Try to keep to one. I have to say, and I just rewatched it recently, Doubt is a fucking acting masterclass and she crushes it in every scene she's in and the final scene of that movie without giving away her her final words her final sort of monologue in that film it just crushes you it's so good i think that meryl streep and doubt is one of the greatest acting performances all time jerry and all time jerry i think that her and I got news for you. Philip Seymour Hoffman is phenomenal. In I that. was just going to say Amy Adams is phenomenal. Viola Davis in one fucking scene, ha like inspires actresses and actresses everywhere. There are people who watch that scene with Viola Davis, her one fucking scene where she walks around a park and goes, you know what? I'm getting an acting because Viola Davis is amazing. Alternately, I bet you there's a whole bunch of people who got out of acting because it was so fucking good. They realized they can never achieve this greatness no matter how many scenes they're in. <sighs> <laughs> and they just walk the fuck out. They realized I will never be as good in anything as Viola Davis was in her two fucking minutes of screen time. I'm going to go end my career, go home, go back to working for Lisa Vanderpump. You're not going to make it as an actor. So David didn't see Meryl in the show because she's only in season two. She plays someone's mother mm. and she's incredible and she she's evil and awful and incredible. And then we have Zoe Kravitz. Bonnie. Is, is that her name? Correct. In the show. Oh, yeah. I, she's she's only in the pilot a little bit. Uh, she's yeah. she's uh, she's the new girlfriend of one of the ex-husbands. I didn't quite follow in the pilot, to be honest, but. Yeah, it's Reese's ex-husband. She's in Fantastic Beasts. I don't remember. She Who does is. She play? Yeah, so she plays. Is she the snake? Is she in the Ginny? No, she's. A Lestrange. She's a Lestrange. Oh, my God. So Newt is in love with her in school, but she breaks his heart and ends up with his brother. Is she Helena Bottom Carter's relative then? Correct. Are they both Lestranges? Okay. Correct. Oh, man, that family. They know how to look. Ooh. <sighs> Incredible. Beautiful. Got some good genes. But anyway, back to Zoe, because <laughs> yeah. we could go off on Harry Potter forever. She's in Fantastic Beasts. She's in the new Batman is Catwoman? Yeah. She sings. And her dad, Lenny Kravitz. Oh. That's all. 
She was also in the shittier X-Men franchise. Uh, I think first class she appeared as like a fucking butterfly. The less said about that, the better. It's It was weird. So let's talk about... The pilot. So we're in Fancy Pants, Monterey, California. Oh, boy. And there's been a murder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we jump back and forth with police investigating and interrogating folks. It appears that the murder happened at like a, ooh, fancy fundraiser, maybe for the school? Yeah, fundraisers for rich people's schools. They're very poor and in need of money. Yeah. So in the pilot, we're not shown who the victim is. So we're definitely not shown who the murderer is. And then we flash back to learn about the main women. They're all affluent women of means. And a, a Shailene is introduced as a newcomer. And she's kind of taken under their wings, especially by Reese Witherspoon's character. But the newcomer's son is accused of hurting another student, as Nicole mentioned, uh, choking another girl. And so it causes a bit of a kerfuffle. And the weird part about that is that the teacher kind of holds like a round table outside after school and is like, name your accuser. And like the little girl's like, it was him. And then they're like, kill him. That's what's really weird. And then Laura Dern's like, kill him. <laughs> yeah, Laura Dern jumps right in. She's like, fuck him. But you could tell we're setting up like a battle between the mothers. So like all the mothers are taking sides. And then there's some weirdness where where Shailene's newcomer character has like a dark past. Like she's she's got a gun ready and she's she's got some shit going on from her past. Again, in the pilot, we're not clear what it is. Also, uh, Alexander Skarsgård is in this um, and never trust Skarsgård. Uh, they're not trustworthy uh, uh, in film or in life. And we're off. That's sort of our pilot. Listen, David, if I can't be there, I need to know that you're protecting our children. Oh, yeah, it's dramatic. He's fuck. He's a lot. He's, he's a lot. so much a lot. He's he's like you. He's on screen again. It's intense. It's great acting. But I'm like, OK, let fucking take it down a notch. Remove your fucking hand. I said, remove your hand. Nicole's doing a good dramatic reading from one of the scenes of the Dude, pilot, y'all. That shit cuts me. I feel it. I feel his hand on my arm. It's terrifying. It might actually be him. He could be anywhere. I would oh not. That might that be emotional. <laughs> Check your house for random scars guards. So in the beginning of the show, someone's been murdered. We don't know who. We don't know how. Throughout the show, we've got interrogations from two detectives interspersed with the main narrative. The author did this instead of doing multiple point of views from each of the characters in the books. Okay. How do you think that they handled this on the show? And did you understand it well enough? No, even I, I wouldn't have guessed that there were actually two detectives. I was unclear on like how that was flowing. If I if I look at it from like a, a, a script perspective, a story perspective, I could understand if those characters kind of acting like a Greek chorus because they kind of react to the events on stage, you know, uh, react to the events that are happening. But it was a little strange for me because I, I feel like they're they're actually being interrogated by the cops, giving their information, but they're giving information that they wouldn't have, like that they wouldn't be privy to. They're talking about scenes they weren't in or weren't at. So it was just a little confusing for me. And I will say I had just recently watched The Outsider as well. And The Outsider's pilot episode has a lot of interrogations as well. So for me, I compared the two. And Outsider handles it much better because they're getting facts out of the people and then using those facts immediately in their investigation. Here, it just seems like the cops brought in these people to gossip. Yeah. They actually don't have any information that actually pertains to the murder. 
from what I can tell in the pilot. The way they cut it, it's like they're responding to the scene that happened before. So it's like Madeline's character is confronted by Renata's best friend in the car line. And then you cut to her being interrogated and she's like, Madeline's kind of a bitch. And it's like, that's that doesn't what question did the detective ask? Yeah, it doesn't make her a murderer. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. And maybe it gets better throughout yeah, the season. I can see what you're saying. But in the pilot, I was just like, I don't you could throw. Here's what I would say. And this is a uh, listen. Here's a, a free tip for all of our screenwriters out there. If you can remove all of those scenes and the rest of the show changes nothing, get rid of those fucking scenes. Mm. Those scenes in the pilot add nothing. I can tell characters are bitches because you've got Academy and Emmy award winning actresses being bitches. I get it. I don't need someone else to tell me, hey, did you see that performance that Nicole Kidman's given? Yeah, I'm fucking watching it. I don't need you to tell me she's a bitch. She's being a bitch and she's doing a great job. Like, <laughs> I, I don't need you to help. Yeah. The writer does this in the book, too. Well, she starts from telling you something bad has happened and then builds into it throughout the rest of the book. It didn't really bother me, but I definitely see what you mean. Yeah. It's a little confusing. Well, I, I think the trick is, so this is, this shows a whodunit, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think what's important here is at the end of the first episode, for me, it's it's unclear not only who did the murder, right? So the who done it, but it's it's weirdly also like uh, a who got done <laughs> because I don't know who was killed. It's it's not as much of a hook mm. for me in the in the first pilot because I don't know who we're trying to solve the murder for. So from a positive aspect, you'd say, oh well, there's two mysteries you're trying to solve. The first being who who got done. The second being who done it, and that may work, but for me, it's a little misleading. I prefer, you know, I I watched The Outsider I mentioned, which is another HBO show from the same time frame. It's very clear who the who the victim is, and you immediately want to solve it. Even in you know when you go back to famous who done it's that have unique town settings, you look at like Twin Peaks, and the whole show is about Laura Palmer. Who is Laura Palmer? Why has she been murdered or missing? At this point, I have more suspects than I have potential victims in my head, and so I was just a little. Eh. I just, I wasn't hooked. So you didn't feel compelled, like, did so-and-so, like, is that motivation for so-and-so to kill that person? Or yeah, you know, maybe yeah. it's this person that killed that person. Oh, maybe Lord Dern killed, you know, you didn't feel that kind it was of pull? too much. Yeah, it was too mm. much for me. So there was so much unknown. So, for example, if, if I knew the murder weapon, right, mm. let's say I don't know the person that was killed. And I and I don't know who did it, which is true of the pilot episode. Let's say you were like, yeah, well, they were bludgeoned to death with a statue. I'm like, ooh, okay. While we're going to these women's houses, I'm keeping an eye out for statues, and I'm keeping an eye out for awards and and weird, you know, things like that. Triceratops. I, yeah, triceratops is for Laura Dern. I'd have like an inkling with this. I'm like, you're giving me nothing. Yeah. I don't know who it was. I don't even really understand the event. The event hasn't happened yet. In our current narrative, it's happening from the flash forward. Well, you've got a mother who has a child who's accused of being very violent towards another little girl. She's having weird flashbacky things. She snaps at her mom. Like, you know, those are kind of things that are like, hmm, the new girl to town came from nowhere, doesn't really talk about her past. Yeah. yeah. Someone's dead. Like, I feel like they definitely set up a few different potential scenarios. Yeah, so I think you've got a point. They do set up the Shailene Woodley's character, Nicole, and I think they they set up enough threads that I'm interested in what happens to the women. 
but it's just not classic enough of like a whodunit for me. It's just it just misses the mark a little bit. What are the rules that a whodunit should abide by? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. So obviously it's a crime, and usually it's a, it's a murder, right? For like kids books and stuff, it may be like who who stole the the lunch, the cookie from the cookie jar. Yeah, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? But in its traditional sense of who done it is that someone someone killed someone, and you're trying to discover who done it. Sometimes it's police who are solving the crime, uh, but many whodunits will focus on like a sleuth or a private eye, uh, sometimes uh, eccentric, almost always. Yeah, like this uh, kind of a weirder person like Sherlock Holmes or Perot uh, or Nancy Drew. Ross Perot was a private eye. Ross Perot solves murders. He gets around. (laughs) Um, So it's usually someone other than the police, because when you get into police, it can become quite quickly a procedural what's referred to as police procedural, which is only about like, well, we ran the fingerprints and we found out it was Bob. Book over. Whodunits are usually with amateurs who don't have access to those tools. And there's typically, and and the show I think that we're talking about here, Big Little Lies, does follow this rule well in particular, which is that there's usually two narratives with a whodunit. There's the events happening now of trying to solve the crime. And then there's the separate narrative of us piecing together what led to the crime. And so as you are moving forward in this first narrative of, of everyone trying to solve the crime, you kind of flash back as you discover evidence to what occurred. Hey, I just found the bloody footprint coming through the window. And then we kind of jump back to the person coming through the window as we put this together. As the characters uncover that second narrative, so does the audience. And then typically for a whodunit, you have to know the killer. So whodunits are typically not You know, all of us try to solve this murder. And at the end, you're like, oh, it was the neighbor across the street that you haven't met yet. Whodunits are almost always that you're establishing all of the suspects early. So, you know, it's from this pool of suspects. Clue, the game and the movie are both great examples of this. Uh, And they also follow the locked door mystery model, which is that not only is it a whodunit where you're trying to figure out whodunit, but a locked door mystery also says that you can't leave until you figure it out. Agatha Christie's and then there were none is is the prime example of this where folks are literally trapped on an island. That book also went by many different names that we will not discuss here. But yeah, I think another funny thing about whodunits is I think that the British have done this so well over the years that even spoofs have spawned like Clue the Movie or Godsford Park that sort of poke fun at this. There was even an episode of Saved by the Bell that poked fun at this. And the interesting thing is when those became sort of cliche, American cinema and writing and novels responded with sort of the hard-boiled detective story, where they said, let's take it out of a posh British neighborhood in a mansion, let's put it on the streets, and let's make it more dangerous. Uh, so dark alleyways, femme fatale. So they kind of took that traditional whodunit and made it this hard-boiled detective story. And so when you ask where our film noir came from, it's in some aspects a response to the traditional sort of friendly British drama of, of whodunits. But... For those who haven't seen any, uh, Nicole, it's you're looking at like Murder on the Orient Express, uh, The Usual Suspects, Twin Peaks, Mystic Rivers, even Sherlock Holmes, which you've probably seen. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed Sherlock Holmes as done by Guy Ritchie. I didn't see the Cumberbund show, but you love Clue. (laughs) What are some other whodunits that are up on the top of your list? Yeah, Clue is amazing. Uh, The the original movie is fantastic, and it it follows all the tropes and makes fun of those tropes. Uh, Only Murders in the Building is a recent one. Mm. They're currently making the second season for Hulu. Uh, That's Martin Short, Steve Martin, Selena Gomez. Um, And that's literally them trying to solve a murder that took place only in their building. 
I think that there are certain shows where the location is as much as part, you know, as much part of the story as the characters are. And I got that vibe from the pilot that these this story couldn't take place in Chicago. This story couldn't take place in Miami. The story that takes place in Big Little Lies could only take place in an affluent town in California. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live in Monterey, California, where, where Big Little Lies takes place. But I still thought they established it really well. Um, so that was one of like my my big pros uh, for the pilot. What are some of the things that, that you really loved about about the pilot? Well, as we said, Laura Dern is amazing in the show. Yeah. There's a car scene in season two. It's insane. Oh, it's, yeah. Good it's stuff. incredible. Oh, yes. Is she absolutely. chased by a T-Rex? She is the T-Rex. She becomes oh. the T-Rex. Oh, I like yeah. that. And I liked also that. The characters, I didn't have to pick one to identify with or to idolize. Like there were things that I liked about each of them. There were things that I could pull from each of them to relate to them. So okay, okay. almost all the characters over both seasons made me pretty invested in all of them to some degree. And um, yeah. just to be clear, the killing part isn't the part that I identify with. Okay. I I'm just putting it out there. I'm just making sure I think that's fair. <laughs> but did you like it? Do you have any? I did like it. I mentioned Monterey is really well established. The setting's really well established. The The cinematography is gorgeous. The waves, the houses. I think they did a really good job of world building. Them explaining their jobs and stuff like that. That can that stuff can be pretty you know heavy on the exposition and can drag a little bit. I thought they did a really good job of peppering that through. Oh, I haven't been, you know, I haven't been around. I'm really busy. I'm on the board of Facebook. And it felt natural. And maybe that was just the actresses who were fucking crushing it because the acting was amazing. The scene with Reese Witherspoon in the pilot where she talks to her daughters at the piano. Mm. Mwah, chef's kiss. Fantastic. Just a great like. Can I still call you baby cakes? Oh, you're rolling your eyes. You, no, you I didn't, didn't really. Didn't I thought that broke the scene. The very oh. amazing scene. I think it broke it for me. No, I thought it was like the tension release. Like they, yeah. they, they ratcheted us up and then released. I think the little girl running in was the tension release. Oh, it's just the whole fucking thing was adorable. I can can we play this song together? Like, come on. If you're having a bad day as a mom, just look up the Reese Witherspoon piano scene from Big Little Lies. But you're not going back. What didn't you like? Uh, I, I ultimately I feel like because I didn't know who died, I don't give a shit. Mm. I just. Don't don't drag it out for me. You got it. Listen, it's a pilot. You got to hook me. Yeah. And what you told me is because, so, again, we're saying it's a murder, but we don't really know if it's a murder yet. It's it's someone got got someone got dead and they hint to us in the first episode that some shit went down. I think one of the interesting things, and Nicole, you've talked about this, is that, you know, there's some scenes in this show in particular. There's a, a, a sexual assault. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't see that in the pilot. We, we see like a glimpse of something going on. I feel like they held stuff back from the pilot. And while that may benefit the story overall, it may improve the pacing overall. You're going to lose someone like me who's not interested in a thriller. Mm. You got to get me hooked to make to keep me on. And you're basically saying, yeah, you loved all these people so much. You're going to tune in to see which one of them dies. Yeah. And I'm like, no, eh, absolutely. I didn't love them that much. Yeah. So that was the tough part for me. Did you have anything in this you didn't like? Because you you obviously enjoyed the series. But was there elements that you didn't love? Yeah, I mean, obviously the trigger warnings, like there's some incredible sexual violence, very explicit. You're experiencing it eventually from the way it actually happened. And then you're also experiencing her reliving it 
throughout the entire oh, yeah, yeah. first season. Oh. It's and and certainly she should, and I understand it, but it's incredibly painful. Yeah. Um, as a viewer, for me at least. But you know, I felt immediately in the mode of learning about each character to figure out what happened. I wanted to formulate motive. I wanted to just think about what would cause a person to kill another person. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not sure if knowing who the victim would actually help hook me. Okay. However, a recent show that I watched, it didn't tell you who, but you knew someone died right from the beginning and I hated them for it. Oh, okay. Because I didn't know. And so yeah, I thought it it was a who done it. It wasn't a who done it. But I thought it was a who done it. Because I wanted to know but it's a who, who who got done, done it who got done and it. who got done. I wanted to know. And that's not what the story, it was just totally misleading and I hated them for it. Oh. But I do understand your perspective. I just, I felt a little bit more investigatory, if that's a word, sure. um, about it. I guess it's kind of like a medium con for me. Like I liked it for this show, but I didn't like it for another show. For another show, so yeah. If you, so, so like you might not like it, listener. <laughs> yeah yeah no i think it, it makes sense and i and i think maybe the the elements of the show that work really well like the acting and, and the cinematography and all of that maybe out outweighs that for a little bit uh you mentioned another show that that has a whodunit element what other types of shows did big little lies remind you of what was it like i mean if you like leanne moriarty books if you're into mysteries if you like rich people mom dramas <laughs> or gorgeous coastal california aerials <laughs> this show is for you more specifically little fires everywhere is very similar okay. to the point that i had to re-watch the episode to remember the differences between the shows oh okay and another show that we covered in the pod night of it's it's oh, got yeah. that dark mystery whodunit vibe to it um and hbo's recent series the white lotus i think by accident is like the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think if you i, I think those are great examples and i think it's probably good fit. I just from an outsider's perspective, if if you're into like, if you want your real housewives with like a dash of murder, <laughs> this is for you. It's definitely a group of eccentric women who are very rich, who are esteemed in their communities, who still bicker about little things. Yeah. And then a murder happens. Mm-hmm. So I think it's got that cool element yeah. um, with it. So I think for me, I'm not going to continue the series. Yeah. But I was very, I was missing that element of of who the murdered person was. I don't know if I'd stick with it if I knew. Mm-hmm. To your point, it's a very dark show. Yep. So my recommendation would be if you're into thrillers, you should watch this show. If you like whodunits and you're willing to pass through the first episode of not knowing who was done, <laughs> um, it's a good fix. And again, if you like any of these women, if you're fans of any of their work, it's it, I don't think you can go wrong. So I'm going to pass... Yeah. But I'd probably recommend the show to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so personally, I may stop, but I'd recommend it to a lot. Uh, how about you? I I think it was well done. I I watched both seasons. I really liked it. I would definitely recommend it. But also, trigger warning, friends. Yeah. I had a very real reaction to the content of the show. Very horrible things happen. And the way they depict it had me upside down. And I tend to be sensitive with these things. And after watching it, it would bleed into my real life. Like a, you know, like a dream that you woke up from and it feels like it's, it was just a lot for me. So I would recommend it with 
a warning. Let me ask you this, Nicole, if, if our podcast really hits it off and they bring us in uh, to meet the lovely ladies of Big Little Lies and you're allowed to have dinner with one of the actresses on this show, mm. who do you pick? Meryl. Probably Meryl. You go with Meryl? Why? What would you guys talk about? I don't know. I feel like she's like my aunt or someone wise in my family that I would just want all of the advice from. Oh, I like that. What about you? Who would you take to dinner? My gut tells me you go with Nicole Kidman and you ask her all sorts of questions about Tom Cruise <laughs> because Nicole <laughs> seems like a very normal, sane person and Tom Cruise is batshit crazy in all the ways I love. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I'd have a lot of questions for her, but I, I think that'd be a little rude because she has her own story to tell. And in Batman Forever, it's one of the top 10 cleavage performances of all time. Reenactment is what you would yeah. probably ask for. I think. <laughs> um, Nicole, it sounds like it's a recommendation for our fans out there. Go watch it, Absolutely. especially if you like these actresses. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, audience. We hope you join us again next week, where we'll tell your God they're ready for blood. We're going to Deadwood. Please check out our Twitter feed at It's Not TV Pod for further details about our podcast and to connect with our community. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. A very special thank you to our producer, Matt Malone. It's Not TV is a production of Brew It Media. Media.